Wide Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. Welcome to the Owl Chat Podcast, our inaugural Kennesaw State Baseball Debut. Um, the Owls uh, dropped uh, two of three to UAB this weekend, unfortunately, but uh, we'll have everything covered for you here. Uh, I'm joined by producer Nick Masseroni, who's sitting in. Uh, Nick didn't really you know, have time to watch all the games this weekend, but he's going to help out where he can. And we are joined by our special guest, uh, Mr. Tony Dibrell. Uh, Tony played for the Owls for three years from 2015 to 2017. In that time, he held opposing hitters to a 238 average, which is number one in KSU D1 history for pitchers with over five or over 85 innings pitched overall. He also threw three complete games. Tony was drafted in the fourth round by the Mets in the 2017 MLB draft, and we all will not hold that against him because I know he can't control where and who drafts him. Uh, he reached AAA last season before being let go by the Mets and uh, is now aspiring to get more into uh, media and, I guess, media and journalism. Is that right, Tony? Yep, and podcasts. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, hey, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be on the inaugural episode. I'm excited. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it sounds like you're going to be doing some of uh, the Kennesaw State games this year, too, correct? Yeah, so I'm actually going to uh, be the analyst on the home opener on Tuesday. So excited awesome. for that. Awesome. Looking forward to that. That's against uh, the Mercer Bears. So that's a big in-state rival where we can get right after what happened uh, this weekend. Uh, before we get started, though, Tony, you know, why don't you share maybe one of your best memories of KSU playing for KSU? Oh, man. I mean, I had a ton playing at, at Kennesaw. Um you know, just meeting the guys on the team and then my roommates that I'm still friends with today is probably one thing that I, I really cherish. But um, I think one of my most memorable times at Kennesaw was my junior season. Uh, it was the start of conference and we played Stetson University. And that was my first complete game ever in college. And uh, it was probably my best game that I ever had. Um I don't want to like brag or anything, but my stats were pretty good. I had like 13 something strikeouts most I've ever had in a game. And um, after the game, you know, I was talking to my dad and, and some of the other parents on the team and they were congratulating me. And then I found out that I threw 143 pitches in the game, which was insane to me. So that was one thing that stood out. But I mean, I, I wouldn't trade for the world. I had an incredible time at Kennesaw State and that that game just kind of solidified um my Kennesaw State career so and that's that sounds amazing but let's just let's just overlook the fact that you threw 143 pitches and not talk yeah. about the ramifications on your arm because everything worked out great I mean yeah I mean at the time I was you know hey don't take the ball out of my hand I loved it um and then the next week I threw 134 pitches and um and yeah and I I mean it's crazy to say it out loud nowadays because people throw like 90 and then they're out of the game but I mean, it was college baseball, and we needed to win, and I was rolling. So, for anybody that's listening in that gets is concerned about how many pitches he threw, don't worry. He's a knuckleballer, so the pitch count <laughs> nothing. Just don't worry about it at all. Um, just go on and mind your own business, okay, people? But uh, yeah, that's uh, Tony DeBrow. And before we move on to the game, give your roommates a shout out. Who were some of those guys that you were closest with? 
Oh yeah. So my homies, uh, AJ Moore, he was also a pitcher at Kennesaw. He, he was in the same recruit class that I was in and, um, he just got married, uh, late last year. So big shout out to him. My other roommate, Grant Williams, he was our second baseman, uh, probably some of the best hands that I've ever seen on an infielder in my life. Um, and a, and a true grinder and a true friend. Um, so shout out Grant Williams. And then, uh, one of my best friends, Logan Hutchinson was my third roommate. And, um, he was actually in town for AJ's wedding and we got to hang out on the weekend. He stayed in my house. So shout out my guys, man. Love them. Awesome. And I, you know, Grant was great drafted by the Red Sox. AJ, who was he drafted by? The, the, uh, the Reds. That was the Reds. Okay, cool. That was in the back of my head. I knew I had it somewhere. Uh, so let's get into the game. Uh, you know, general thoughts on opening weekend before the game itself. You know, I thought the announcers, the announcer was just fine. You know, he called uh, Coach Passauer uh, in the first game, Coach Co. Couldn't tell the difference. Yeah. But, you know, the camera adds a couple pounds. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of tough. No, I thought he did a good job. Uh, I think he said that he usually calls minor league games. Um, so I thought he did a good job. It was just interesting to me that it, when he was trying to call the pitch type, he was inconsistent a lot on that calling like curveballs, fastballs, and change up sliders and stuff. So I just thought maybe he probably had like a tough angle on it. Um, yeah, they're mostly in the press box, and it's kind of hard when you're at that that back angle because you know it's really yeah. tough to see the way the ball moves and i'm not sure yeah. if he had a gun on it too so yeah um so what did you think about their uh stadium their setup and everything from what you saw yeah i think it's so i we played there um i don't know if i played in college i we may, might have played there while i was at kennesaw but i played there in high school and um beautiful field i mean it's all turf it's it's pristine I just think that it is a small field. Um, there was a plethora of home runs this weekend that I feel like kind of just, I don't know if they were, you know, true home runs, like they really got it all. But other than it, the size of the field, I think it's a beautiful field. Um, it was sunny out all weekend. It looked amazing. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of it. How did you feel about, you know, the background? Was that the interstate in the background? I just, I just didn't like that. You know, I kind of yeah. like the you know, more of the, like the trees and more, maybe a little bit feel a little bit more suburban at least. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I feel like they might've just thrown it in like in the town, you know, throw the field just in the town somewhere. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, that's not, I didn't even really notice it to be honest. I was locked in. We'll see how many cars they have to hit before they move it somewhere else. That so. too. That no. too. Balls fly there. Absolutely. But um what do you what were your general thoughts you know on and feelings just overall on the series obviously we're one and two to start the year winning the first game and losing the last two overall honestly I feel pretty good um I know today we struggled at the plate but I saw a lot of good things on Friday and I saw some good things on Saturday um I know some guys have some pop they were drawing walks on Friday and I feel I feel like that is what's going to uh to propel them once they get guys on base it looked like they you know started rallying a little bit and put some at bats together so I, I saw a lot of good things um there was a little bit of rust uh, on the the fielding and the defense but again it, it's opening weekend so it's not expected but it's not too shocking you know so I feel like that's something that that'll get cleaned up pretty quickly um and then I saw some good things out of the bullpen I mean I saw some velocity out of the bullpens that I haven't seen at Kennesaw in a while. So that was really exciting to see. And I, I like uh, our starters. A lot of the starters were strike throwers, you know? And so I think that is 
a proponent to winning games late in the season and having longevity through the season. So I saw a lot of good things. Um, there's a few, a few things that I saw that, you know, not so excited about um, like today. Um, there was a lot of aggression at the plate, but not a lot of barrels. Yeah. So, and we'll definitely be getting into that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, my thought, it was, it was a very mixed weekend. I, I can't mm -hmm. consider it a, you know, a win this weekend. You know, the goal, any series is losing is win two out of three. I think, yep. um, you know, on the road, you, you know, you do your best you can, but UAB was picked to finish. I think last in uh, the American uh, this year, uh, we go in, we win the first one. So you're thinking, oh man, we got a we got a pretty good chance of getting one of the final two, getting out of there. Um, it didn't happen. Um, I I thought that our defense was very rusty, um, which you know it's the first weekend. You can say, okay, you know it, we need to fix that, all that kind of stuff. But it just concerns me because it's kind of how you know that was kind of our downfall last year. So. Mm -hmm that's kind of where I, I want to see that being cleaned up. And it wasn't, I don't think just the final two games, there were, you know, little things here or there in the first game that kind of foreshadowed it. Um, but luckily we were able to win that first one and we'll kind of jump in um, right there to game one. I'll give you a little uh, summary here and we'll uh, move forward. So game one on uh, Friday, which started at uh, three o'clock Eastern time um, started uh, quickly for UAB in the bottom of the first Osbalt gave up an RBI single and double. It was two o two o UAB until the fourth inning uh, when Bouton committed an error that was later changed to a hit that was followed by uh, a home run to dead center to Alan Chu, the son of former big leaguer Shinsu Chu to make it four o UAB. Um, up to this point, KSU didn't have a hit. Uh, we go to the top of the fifth, still 4-0 UAB. The Owls loaded the bases with one out and get the first hit in the process. Um, unfortunately, a sack fly from Edson is all that it plates. 4-1 uh, UAB heading to the bottom of the fifth. Um, Osball gets the first two with ease and then loads the bases on some tough luck. Um then the Owls uh, go to the bullpen, bring in true freshman Bo Rudy out of Chickamauga, Georgia, who gets out of it with a dribbler to first. So Osbolt's line was 4.2 innings, eight hits, four runs all earned. Uh, Rudy stayed in for the six and got himself in and out of some trouble, but UAB only crossed one more to make it 5-1. So out the Owls go down four again through six. Top of the seventh, leadoff hitter Nate Anderson, uh, well, leadoff hitter for the Owls, hit a two-run bomb to cut the deficit to 5-3. Then the Owl struck with an eight-run eighth inning, bookended by two homers in the same inning from Columbus State transfer Isaac Bouton. Uh, in the big inning, Spencer Hansen, who pinched hit off the bench, managed to poke a single to right field to tie the game. And uh, Nate Anderson hit by pitch, gave KSU the 6-5 lead before making it 11-5 uh, through eight. Uh, Nick Hassan added a sack fly scoring Trillo in the ninth to make it 12-5. Uh, the Owls uh, tried to get a third inning from Hudson Mims to close it out. He uh, loaded the bases with no outs. Freshman Ryan Renfro came in, struck out the side with a walk, hit by pitch, mixed in, and the Owls won 12 to 7. So that's a little uh, recap of uh, what happened. I know that was a little bit long. I promise we'll make it shorter and get better here on the Owl Chat podcast as we go. Um, so I just want to kind of dive right in there. You know, I thought the, the umpire strike zone, uh, he gave the outside corner early on. Uh, like a like it was a fetish. Um, we need to get uh, you know, he needs to get more consistent, but you know, he wasn't giving it later on. Did you notice that, Tony? Yeah, so I noticed immediately that uh, 
you know, again, opening weekend. So it's also opening weekend for the umpires. Right. So I feel like he needed to get settled into the game a little bit. And then I noticed once the coaches kind of started getting on him about the strike zone, he tightened it up for the rest of the game, which uh, which usually happens. But, yeah, I thought he was given, you know, a couple balls off the plate, which is tough to hit against. Yeah. And uh, we go into uh, Braden Oswald's performance. I thought he uh, you know, this is not as sharp as he'd want to be. It's his first start. So we can excuse that. Um, I'm sure he'll be better uh, next week. He did do just enough to, you know, get out of some trouble, make sure the Owls, uh, you know, were in the game when he left. That's kind of what, you know, we didn't want it to get out of control. Um, you know, what did you see from Braden, you know, in his second year uh, starting first uh, First off? Yeah, I feel like uh, he had a little bit of tough luck. Um with the with the the second home run to center field um that was kind of like they had a little rally going and that happens but um i saw he threw a ton of strikes um he threw a ton of strikes and um my little source on the inside said he was up to 96 miles an hour so um i i liked what i saw and i feel like he's gonna have a good season it was just uh just some t- a few things that i would change you know se- some sequences but i liked what i saw He's throwing a lot of strikes, and that's what you need to do as a starter. Yeah, and uh, UAB's Blaze Barry, um, I think he did a pretty good job as well. You know, um, you know, he threw some. I think I threw some breaking stuff. He was only he's usually only ninety to ninety three, but he did a good job of limiting the Owls also. So you know, yeah, I mean, he was working that changeup like crazy. Um, his changeup was really good. He was throwing it a ton. Um, but also, with that being said, he walked four or five guys. So. I feel like the Owls did a, had a good job at the plate, doing a good job, you know, having a good eye, um, even though they didn't get a hit until like the fifth inning or so. But I feel like they they did what they could with him. And then once they got to the bullpen, they they exploded. Yeah. And we'll get back to that approach at the plate later. So kind of keep that in in mind as we head to the final two games of the weekend. Um, the two new transfers, uh, Nate Anderson in center field and Isaac Bouton, the third baseman. I mean, two homers in the same inning from Bouton. Anderson getting the first hit of the game two run homer, uh, also two run homer getting hit by pitch and going at, I mean, that was the the perfect game. Um, unfortunately it didn't, you know, keep up the rest of the weekend and we'll get there, but, um, you know, they made the impact. They kind of showed what they can do and, you know, hopefully we can, uh, improve on that here in the midweeks. Yeah. Bowden, I think he, he's a pure hitter, um, to pull one to, to left field for a no doubter and then to go backside in the same inning. Um, you got to be locked in. So I feel like he's got a lot of juice and he's really going to help that lineup. Also, uh, Anderson, I think he plays a good center field and he's a good lefty bat in the lineup. So um, that was good to see. And I don't know if you saw when he got hit by the pitch, how he was pumping in the whole, uh, all the people in the dugout, he's pumping everybody up. And I feel like that is what started a rally. So I feel like the, the Kennesaw State Owls are going to be a team of rallies this year. Yeah, definitely. And we need that. We need that energy. Um, and you can tell Anderson is going to be one of the main spark plugs as this team goes, uh, kind of like a Terrell Burden, perhaps on the basketball team, you know, an undersized player who might be the, you know, the engine of the offense, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and the Owls did a great job. You know, they got to uh, one of UAB's uh, top relievers, John Luke Marlin. Um mm-hmm. I hate the Marlins, but uh, we'll talk about John Luke here. He had a 4.13 ERA last season, but he couldn't even get out, get an out in the eighth inning, gave up five runs. So the Owls yeah. didn't waste any time with him and, you know, really touched him up. 
Um, do you think that the eighth inning, you know, all those runs could have had, you know, some sort of uh, effect on the final two games of the season? Like, okay, swing, 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 look what we did. Kind of like a shooter in basketball that, you know, makes some really ridiculous shots, then thinks, oh man, I can't miss. And then his shot selection is all sorts of messed up. Or am I just overthinking this, Tony? Uh, it's hard to say. I don't think that they went into game two, you know, uh, game two and three thinking like, oh, I mean, we can score eight, 10 runs an inning. So it doesn't, you know, we can just throw but they were more aggressive is kind of what I meant. You know what I mean? Yeah. As opposed to kind of sitting back, working the counts, that kind of thing. They were just like, all right, let's work. We could, we did this in the eighth inning. Let's just keep swinging and get some more. Let's, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah, I think if anything, it was kind of like the reason they were so aggressive might have been like they were just pressing a little bit. Um, so there might be some uh, validity to what you said, like, hey, we scored eight runs in this inning. We were hitting the ball all over the yard. If we just start hitting hitting again, like same thing will happen. So maybe there was a little bit of pressing um, that happened, you know? Yeah, and, you know, I think that's something that, you know, I'm sure – and again, we'll talk about this here after game two and game three, but the coaches will work with, you know, the players. It is opening weekend. Um, everybody's, you know, the new players, I'm sure, are nervous to kind of prove themselves and show everybody what they can, what they can do. Um, and not just the freshmen, but, you know, Anderson and Bouton, you know, they kind of showed everyone, hey, look what we did in game one. You know, there might be some pressing in game two and game three to just say, hey, you know, we can keep this up. Let's uh, let's let it roll when it didn't happen. So uh, but I want to point out Jackson Chirello. Um, he's a guy that's on everybody's radar. These uh, sophomore outfielder for the Owls is probably one of the top opening weekends as a hitter uh, that we saw. I mean, he had four walks on uh, Friday. I think he had, what, two on Saturday? I mean, mm -hmm. he had 24 all of last season. And, you know, if you watched him last season, he he was more of one of those, you know, swing at everything, you know, if you get yeah. it, you get it type guys. And now yeah. he's, you know, working working at bats and just – I look like a different guy out there. I don't know. Did you notice that? Yeah, I think he he definitely worked on something this offseason. And uh, immediately we're seeing results – um, and I mean, he's a speed guy, so on the bases, he's going to be a problem. So I think the more he can, you know, work at bats, get on base, uh, even if that's walks, it did look like at one point though, he was frustrated from like the fifth walk. I think mm. it was, he looked like he was like, man, like, can I just get something to hit? But I feel like he definitely looks locked in at the plate. Oh yeah. He's, it's looking like he's going to be, um, you know, he has a, I think a seven fifty seven fifty OPS across the first three games, which is solid. So it's looking like he's going to be a fixture in right field and it's going to be hard to, you know, take him out of the lineup. Um, the yeah. Owls do have a bit of depth this year. If you've noticed, um, we have Edson cash and Hansen, um, all available. And it looks like they really only are working through two spots. So you have Hanson, who's really can only DH and cash. You could play a little bit of first base, but, you know, you probably prefer him at DH. So you have those two guys that are probably, you know, their bats on their own are worth starting, but you yeah. gotta, you know, you gotta mind the defense, especially with how we played this weekend as well. And Edson is also worth starting with the bat plays a good glove at first base. So you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the coaches use Cash or Hanson. And it might be, you know, I think it's going to end up being Edson and Hanson as the DH in first base. Cash will get some spot starts. Maybe Edson will platoon in the outfield a little bit with Brooks and left field. I don't know. But I just want to kind of see what we're going to end up doing there because, you know, we have, you know, 
Posey at catcher. We have McDuffie at shortstop. Having one of those guys always available to pinch hit if needed is going to be big, just like Spencer Hansen uh, did in game one. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's good to have a, a lefty bat in the order. So I think uh, Edson probably get it a little yeah. bit more attention. Yeah. And, and his ability to play defense and outfield is going to get him in the lineup more. And even he yeah. can pitch and we'll see him on the mound also. Um, so I just think one of those guys is always going to have a role as a pinch hitter and, you know, probably going to have to pinch hit somewhere seven through nine in the order. So whoever it is, you know, I think their role is going to have to be to stay ready. Oh, 100%. 100%. Also, um, I had no idea uh, Chu was the son of Sinsu Chu. When I was watching the game, when he hit that home run, I was like, that swing looks so familiar. And I immediately thought of Sinsu Chu. So that is insane that that is actually who that is. Because when I saw the swing, I was like, that I've seen that before. So that's, that's wild. I had no idea. Yeah, the Owls have probably seen it before as well. Um, we, yeah. I think we've seen enough of him. I mean, he hit that homer. Uh, he was up and down a little bit at the plate, but he made some nice defensive plays over there. Yeah. He's yeah, he's going to be a good one for UAB. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Dogwood Golf Club is a truly unique hybrid golf club conveniently located near Smyrna, Vinings, and Marietta. The course is hybrid because they offer both membership and daily fee play. Owl fans, be sure to mark your calendar. The Owls Collective has a golf tournament scheduled for Monday, June 10th at Dogwood Golf Club to raise money for KSU athletes. Go to owlscollective.com for more details. Dogwood is a longtime supporter of all things Kennesaw, so be sure to visit their website at dogwoodgolfclub.com. Dogwood Golf Club, an official sponsor of the Owl Chat Podcast. I did want to uh, touch on a few other things um, on that on the game. Um, when when the Owls uh, pulled Braden Osbalt uh, with the bases loaded and it was like, what, the fifth inning? We went mm-hmm. to Bo Rudy, a true mm-hmm. freshman. We threw mm-hmm. him right into the fire, right out of high school. He responded. He got the out. And also in the ninth inning, Mims walked the first three uh, with no outs. We put in Ryan Renfro throw him into the fire, a true freshman. I don't even think he pitched much in high school or until his like yeah. a senior year. I mean, what, what does it say to you about, you know, those guys ability to perform in those situations and the coaches trusting them? Like how hard is that to do? So I think now is a time when you should do it right. Like the beginning of the season when uh, everybody's fresh and you're trying to learn what kind of guys you have in the bullpen. Right. So there's a moment when, Co and the and the pitching coach are are using moments like this to learn who they can throw out there when the bases are loaded, when the bases are juiced, when the situation is tight. So I think this is a perfect opportunity to do it. First weekend, get out there, get your feet wet, understand that, and, it, and it's good for the pitchers too, right? Because I mean, you're nervous, like your freshman year, you're nervous coming coming into it. So to be out there in those situations, it shows confidence in them through the coaches that like, hey, we think you can be a guy. And so I think it's 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 a great opportunity for guys to go out there and show what they can do. And um, it's a great opportunity for the coaches to learn what kind of pitchers they have in the bullpen. So I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, they're obviously being rewarded for their work, um, you yeah. know, during the week and during the offseason and their preparation. So, um, you know, it, it's one of the things about playing at Kennesaw now. You know, the coaches have obviously, for better or worse, we're now, you know, a high school primarily develop high school talent um, to where, 
you know, a lot of the schools like UGA now, Georgia Tech, with the new rules with the NIL, they're going to be pulling in transfers year after year after year. And, you know, if you're a freshman there, well, you know what? You might not play until your sophomore or junior year if you're going to stick it out and, you know, be loyal to that school. So um, that's just, you know, just exhibiting what are the advantages of coming to Kennesaw State. Um, Something that stuck stood out to me negatively is the defense. Uh, We committed 10 errors over the weekend, two in this game. Uh, But there were also, you know, those 50-50 plays that I felt foreshadowed the rest of the weekend. Like you had Bouton kicking the little uh, dribbler on the infield. It was originally ruled an error. Uh, Looks like it was changed in post game to a hit, which I think was fair. That was a tough play. I don't know if they would have gotten that. Um, Posey had that little squibber. Uh, He tried to barehand the ball. Uh, he mm-hmm. just couldn't hang on to it. Yeah. You have Brooks sliding in the outfield and misjudging it. You know, that was a that was a moderate, difficult to play. But, you know, I think a guy like Colina or Edson, who had, you know, three, four years of experience back there, I think they make that play. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's just little things like that. We need, you know, they're not ruled errors in the scorebook, but you know, the, the fundamental type things, we need to help out our pitchers. And yeah, you know, if you notice, UAB did a lot of helping out their pitchers this weekend. Yeah. I, yes, 100%. I think um, just for that, that Brooks play, um, the line drives right at you. It's tough. That's like one of the toughest plays for an outfielder. Um, And I think a lot of guys make it look routine, even though it's probably, it's very hard to make that play. So um, it's definitely my expectation though, that he should have made the play. He should have caught the ball. I thought he, he could have, I thought he had a great chance at catching it, but that being said, it is a very difficult play. So and then the other thing with a lot of the errors this week is uh, I noticed that they're playing on turf, right? And so they've been practicing this whole fall on dirt. And so the ball bounces differently, right? So the ball's spinning when it gets hit, when it's the dribblers, stuff like that. When it hits turf, it bounces a little bit differently than when it hits dirt, right? So I feel like they've been practicing on dirt and they're used to dirt. So they're used to how the ball spins, how it's going to pop up on dirt. And then being out there at UAB, it was bouncing just a little bit differently. Like I noticed a few of the ground balls when they were going to field them, they'd hit, they'd bounce right in front of them and then they'd have to field it off to the side instead of right in front of them. So it's, I think that, that little, that little bit of spin on the ball, it was just given just a little bit of misdirection. So I think that definitely contributed to uh, some of the tough defensive plays this weekend. How do teams counter that um, throughout the year? Cause obviously, you know, a lot of teams play on, you know, on dirt and all that kind of stuff. Like how, how do you go about preparing for that? If you're, you know, the opposing team. You get out there early. So um, at least when I was in college, I think we got there for like a weekend series. You get there, um, you leave like Friday morning and then you go out there and practice uh, before the game. And so you got to get out there, take ground balls, early work, ground balls, pop-ups, see how the ball bounces off the turf. because like some places too, in the outfield, the ball hit the ground and it'll bounce 15 feet in the air compared to when it hits grass, it's bouncing two feet in the air. So I think it's, you just got to get out there and take reps at it, which is, um, which is a luxury for people who play on turf all the time. Right. But then when they get on dirt, it, they're going to, it's going to have the same effect that like, they think, Oh, that ball is going to jump up and it stays down. So I think it's just something that um it's it's either way, you know, it's just part of the game. But that I did notice that the ball was spinning a little bit weird this weekend. And that's part of the home field advantage and why it's so yeah. important. Yeah. And what you know, a lot of times, you know, when you play in conference, you know, the upperclassmen have played on those fields before. So they kind mm-hmm. of know what to expect. 
you know, they, I guess they know the, you know, the footwear to wear, the cleats and all that kind of how to prepare. Whereas if you're going to UAB, you, you know, probably nobody's ever been there before. You don't know what to expect might play in as well, where we might be more prepared, say, if we're going to like a Stetson or a North Florida. 100%, 100%. Yep. I think the more, the more reps you get on there, the better you'll be prepared. So. Definitely, definitely. So uh, we had two errors that game. Um, you know, we need to, you know, we still need to clean it up. Um, it's still too early to make any kind of sweeping judgments. I mean, we come yeah. back and, you know, take the midweek versus Mercer and Wofford and we're riding high again, heading into Clemson. So it's really a matter of how the team handles themselves, how they focus. They, you know, you can't get too high or can't get too low. Um, you know, can't get too high off that eight, eight inning, uh, eight run inning on game one. Cause you see what happens. You just gotta, yeah. gotta, gotta stay even Steven. Um, so game two, um, this was one of the two owls losses this weekend, a uh, quicker summary this time, uh, Blake Ida was battling for, uh, two innings and then, uh, Spencer Hansen hit a three run Homer to start the scoring in the third. Uh, Ida gave up uh, two runs in the bottom of the third. Uh, KSU still on top 3-2. Uh, UAB scored two more in the fifth to make it 4-3 and then scored multiple runs in each inning the rest of the way. And then it got out of control to where it was uh, 12 runs unanswered. So it was, what, a 12-3 game, something like that. Uh, the Owls scored a meaningless run in the top of the ninth to make it 12-4. Too little, too late. Uh, Ida pitched three stress-filled innings, gave up three hits, five walks, two wild pitches, and two runs. Uh, Tyler Franks came in, pitched a scoreless fourth before getting hurt in the fifth. Um, we don't know what happened to Franks. It looks like it was some one of those injuries where, you know, just something wasn't feeling right, and he had to mm -hmm. come out. Uh, so it might have been more of a precaution move. But anyways, Nolan Sliver came up, gave up five runs, four earned over two-plus. And then Brooks Rosser came in to kind of mop up and gave up four runs with two earned over the last uh, 1.1 innings pitched. Um, uh, freshman Caden Carroll got the final two outs to help out uh, Rosser. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the summary of what happened in game two. It was a bit of a, uh, a letdown game for Kennesaw State. Uh, the umpire strike zone was even worse than game one. Um, so my... My initial thoughts before I go to you, Tony, I know Blake Ida is a better strike thrower than he was yeah. on uh, on Saturday. Uh, he would not have gotten the start on Saturday if that's, you know, his usual performance. He was a starter right. I believe, in the Cape. He pitched pretty well. Um, we'll chalk it up to opening weekend jitters. Um, you know, like I said, a strong start next weekend versus Clemson is going to, you know, make people forget about this real quick. Um, but the Owls offense, you know, didn't do much to, you know, inspire us and, uh, you know, really get us there. But what did you think of the strike zone uh, compared to game one? Yeah, I thought it was, listen, I, I hate bashing umpires just because I feel like bad karma. You know, you bash an umpire now, he hears it, then they, they don't get calls in, in the playoffs or something like that. But I mean, it, it was very tough. Uh, there was no consistency. It was all over the place. And it was just way off the plate, too, I thought he was giving some pitches way off the plate um, and inconsistent, which is it's, it's tough as a, as a pitcher to, you know, consistently throw strikes when you don't know where the strike zone is. Right. You were, you were taught to throw to the glove, but over time, when you start seeing crazy calls, it, it makes it even harder. So um, yeah, I thought the strike zone was wild um, on Saturday, but it, an another thing though, that happens. Right. So, like, during the season, that's going to happen again. And so 
you just have to figure out a way to overcome that because umpires are human beings, right? And it's, it's hard to be back there and calling balls and strikes, balls coming in there fast, games moving quick. So, like, it's tough, especially, too. I think what uh, what also the pitch clock, too. These guys, I thought they were flying through, right? Like, at bats and stuff, in between pitches, I don't think the umpires have as much time, you know, like when I was in college, you throw a pitch, you catch the ball, you do whatever. The umpire has time to, you know, stand up, catch his breath, think about what's going on, and then he gets back in there to call the next pitch. I feel like with the pitch clock and how with the digital wristbands too, to where the catchers aren't even given signs now, I did notice that. Um, I think it's moving fast. So the umpires are down there the whole time trying to be locked in. So I, I feel like that might make it a little bit tougher for them. But I thought the strike zone was not good on Saturday. Yeah, it's kind of like when you're in class and, you know, it's just, you know, teach, 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 teach. And yeah. you're trying to yeah. take in and write all those notes. And there's no, like, you know, one minute break to hear them tell a story or, you know, kind of break yeah. up the the monotony back there. Um, mm-hmm. but, but when you pitched in uh, this past year in AAA, there was a pitch clock, right, for the past year or two? Uh, Yeah, yeah, we had a pitch clock. How yep. did that affect you? So it, to be honest, it really only affects you when there's there was runners on base, right? Um, when nobody's on base, it's your you're all you're thinking about is the next pitch. So you catch the ball, you're right back up there, and it's no problem. Um, and personally, like I worked fast already, so it really wasn't too much of a difference. But when runners are on base, right, you can't just catch the ball and throw because then they'll just time you up and they'll steal bases easily, like. In the minor leagues, they were setting records all over the place for stolen bags. Um, like my buddy Victor Scott, he had like 80-something bags in a season. So um, it's a little bit different because um, we also had like a pickoff rule, so you can only throw over so many times. But, um, yeah, it really doesn't affect you until things start unraveling a little bit, right? So if you notice this past weekend, it was like a walk here, a walk there, big hit, big hit, walk, right? Like – Things rally up. So I feel like when there wasn't a pitch clock, right, you walk somebody, you had time to step off the mound, regain your composure, get your focus back, get back up there and try to get the next guy. But with the pitch clock, it's like as soon as the ball hits your glove, like you got to get right back up there. And I feel like it makes it a little bit tougher to to keep your composure and lock in for the next at bat. So I feel like rallies are going to be a big part. And that's contributed to by the pitch clock. Very good point. Very good point. Yeah. Uh, Professor Dybrow. Um, and so, you know, the, the owls pitching kind of, if that didn't do us in, we had 11 walks in game two, three wild pitches. We committed six errors. And on top of that, like just early on in the game, just, you know, we, they had fluky infield hits, like two infield hits in the first inning you had, um, like the first infield, hit. it could have been avoided, I think, but you know, cash dropped a tough, uh, fly ball. It wasn't an error, but it was kind of, it was that kind of day where, you know, yeah. we're not, we talked about that in game one. We're not making those 50-50 plays that are needed to kind of, you know, help our guys out. And those are the plays UAB was making. You saw them, you know, reaching over the railing and getting a tough ball or, you know, mm-hmm. sliding into foul territory in game three on the left field line or making the yeah. dive and catch in center field in game two. You saw all of that kind of stuff. All of that went against the Owls. Um, we had, you know, just maybe a few good innings, you know, um, you know, this weekend. So, uh, we, we need to be better there. Um, we did see, um, you know, some positives. We saw Spencer Hansen hit the three run Homer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did see, um, the debut of spin master Caden Carroll to strike out the last two batters of the game. So that was a positive. 
And we saw two more two more walks for uh, Jackson Chirello, um, again, continuing to stand out. Um, but I think the most exciting play for me was uh, Coach Co getting tossed. Um, yeah, yeah. I love to see it, like, selfishly. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, he, like, slivered through a strike. Was it, like, two or three pitches before a home run? And then Coke yeah. got tossed after the homer. And I'm just yeah. like, yeah, that's right, Coach. You get those f I loved it. Yeah, game two. Out of 56 regular season games, you're already getting yanked at the game. I was like, okay, my guy's fired up. My guy, my guy's passionate about this. So I personally, I love to see it because that just gets your players fired up too. Seeing like your coach cares. He's in it. Game two, right? Start of the season. He's already locked in. He wants to win. I, I'm a big fan of it. Um, yeah, I think the the sooner the better, man. If, if they didn't score that, if they didn't score the eight in that first game, I was yeah, calling for him to get yanked in the ninth, but um yeah i love to see it and i know uh i know co and i know he's passionate about it so he was it was on brand for him yeah i i loved it too i mean i'd rather a manager gets tossed than just sits there and kind of takes it i mean if, yeah. if the empire is not going to call a game and we're gonna you know i mean might as well try to fire up the troops give you know do yeah. something yeah uh yeah i loved it i loved it unfortunately you know the you know we got to see more you know from ida against clemson uh, Nolan Sliver, who was inconsistent last year, uh, he got blown up, uh, unfortunately, and again, was partially a victim of the umpires. But again, we can't blame the umpires. You got to go in there, stay focused and make your pitches. Uh, yeah. He didn't do that. Um, you know, we just we, we got we got to stay mentally, you know, in the game a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think honestly, I think I think it's good that um, it's not good that anyone got hurt, but that the situation happened. And that it's something that I'm sure the coaches are going to talk about is that in the bullpen, you got to be ready for anything at any moment. Right. And so like anybody could get hurt on one play and then you're in the game immediately. So you can't be down there like messing around, fooling around. Like you have to be locked in, paying attention, see what the hitters are doing so that just in case on the off chance that your name gets called and you got to go in right now, you're ready to go. Cause that, it's going to happen later in the season and it's really going to matter. So I, I think it's it's a good learning point that hey your name can get called at any point so stay locked in. That's a good you don't point. Want to be the guy. Yeah, you don't want to be the guy to come in and, and blow the game. So and that's a good point. You know, if Frank's got through his inning, you know what I mean, unhurt and everything was mm -hmm. going smooth, then Sliver comes in the next inning on more of a a planned uh, planned uh, outing. I mean, maybe yeah. he would have been fine. Maybe this yeah. did throw him off his game. Yep. Yep, and it happens. I mean, even uh, what two years ago, I was uh, I was pitching up in Double A, and um, pitching coach called down. He was like, "Hey, uh, this guy has the eighth inning. Tony, you'll you'll go in the ninth." And this was right when I was coming off of a Tommy John surgery, and so uh, the guy goes in, and I get up on the mound, start stretching out a little bit, trying to get locked in, and then I I look over at the field. He's walking into the dugout. They call down, "Hey, Tony, you're in the game." Right. Manager forgot to put this guy on the roster so he couldn't play. And it's he didn't. He was perfectly healthy, everything. And then all of a sudden, quick, now it's on me. And nobody cares about the situation that you're in, how you got there. They expect you to perform. So it, you got to be ready at all times, man. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's a good lesson for, you know, the sophomore and not saying he wasn't ready, you know, maybe he just didn't have it that day, but yeah. you know, it's always just a good, a good learning point for, you know, all of our young players. 
uh, there. And also want to, you know, give a shout out to Caden Carroll. You know, he kind of came in towards the end of the game. I'm not sure if there was a mercy roll or not with 10 runs, but, you know, <laughs> it was at nine runs at that point. And, you know, he got came in, got two strikeouts. I think a runner was on third base. And mm-hmm. he, like you could see the ball was moving. I don't know if you saw that, but he was known yeah. for his spin rate. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, you know, that first week, opening weekend, I mean, it doesn't matter what the score is. When you come in the game, your your juices are flowing and it's very real. So to see that ball moving ev- everywhere like that, it was encouraging to see. Definitely. And we forgot to mention in game one, uh, Hudson Mims threw two good innings. So, you know, mm-hmm. got to give credit to him. He was an infielder only, you know, for the past uh, two seasons due to necessity. Now he comes in, he pitched two very quick, clean innings, and he just lost it. But, um, you know, him, Rudy, and Renfro in game one, you know, I thought they did good jobs for their first, uh, you know, appearances of the season. Um, Unfortunately, um, transfers uh, Anderson and Bouton were 0 for 9. The Owls committed more errors than they had hits. Um, Mm -hmm. Game two was what I called on Twitter. I said, you know, this was a turd. You got to flush it. Um, You know, you got to move on to the next one. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it is what it is. So moving on to game three. Um, the series is now tied one, one, um, game three summary is Smith Pinson versus Colin Daniel of UAB. Um, UAB starts the bottom of the second with a single and double to put two in scoring position. They hit an RBI, uh, ground up to second base to make it one, nothing. Uh, then we had an interesting play. Um, the next batter bunts it right to Smith Pinson who tosses it home to, uh, Posey. Uh, personally, when I was watching that, I thought the guy at the plate was going to be uh, DOA, um, with yeah. the way, you know, but he was just flying down there. He had a great slide. It was bang, bang. Uh, when I watched it live, I thought there was no way he got in there. I was expecting him to call out. I saw the umpire signal safe. I was like, what the hell? What did I miss mm-hmm. here? Uh, but then they reviewed it. Um, it was probably going to be, you know, one of those calls that stood whatever was called on the field. And unfortunately, you know, the way games two and game three was going, you know, that's not going KSU's way. So yeah. 2-0 UAB, uh, the final scoring of the day was a UAB leadoff double in the third. The pickoff attempt, uh, Pinson threw it to second when as the runner was sprinting to third. Um, Corbin at second base tried to throw it to Bouton at third to get the runner. Was nowhere close, would never have gotten him anyway. It goes right through Bouton's legs. And the runner gets to score um, to make it 3-0. Uh, Smith Pinson finished the day with a quality start, six innings, uh, two earned runs, uh, gets the loss, unfortunately. Tanner Franklin pitched the final two frames, faced the minimum. Uh, the game ended in one hour and 45 minutes. Uh, the Owls had four hits, and I don't think anybody reached third base, did they, Tony, that you can remember? Uh, No, not that I remember, no. Yeah, that was uh, it was kind of crazy, but what, you know, we'll kind of just jump right into the middle here, I guess. What did you think about that call at the plate with the uh, you know Smith Pinson kind of underhanding it to Posey? Did you think he had a chance when it was going live? When it was live, I was like, this umpire is blind because, like, what are we looking at? This dude is clearly out. The ball being by fifteen feet, but then when they slowed it down, it was a phenomenal slide. It was a great slide. He slid right to the back point of the plate with his outside arm. Um, and that's something, uh, as a catcher that is, that you learn, you can't go try to tag the guy. You have to put the glove down near the plate now, because everybody's with swim moves and everything like that. You got to put the, you got to put the glove in the ball next to where they're trying to slide. Cause when you reach out for him, that's when 
these slides come effective, right? And so I just think it was, you know, a good play by uh, the pitcher and just a better slide. Um, but when they slowed it down, I, I feel like they got the call right. Yeah, um, and that that and I think whatever they called it the play, I think would have stood on the mm-hmm. replay, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's one of those plays, man. You got to get flashy. If I'm that pitcher, I'm trying to glove glove it, you know, overhand glove flip it, you know. Maybe maybe the umpire reward me for looking good, you know. But I think it was I think it was a good play, just a better slide from the UAB guy. Yeah, and that's kind of the story all weekend, you know, those 50-50 fundamental type things. He, you know, he doesn't waver when he was coming home on the squeeze. He goes full bore. I mean, if he hesitates, you know, one bit, he's he's toast. Yeah. I I didn't think he was even going to be, you know, near the play. I think that was a I didn't see, but that was a suicide squeeze, right? He was coming the whole way. No, what he yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was already running before uh the ball got put in play. It was squeeze, his head was down. He, he wasn't looking. So, yeah, that was a, a suicide squeeze. Yeah, that was good baseball. Um, that was just yeah. good baseball on their half. Um, but, yeah, Smith Pinson, you know, uh, he committed an error. Um, you know, I think I think that might have should have probably been on, uh, I think, Edson. But I uh, mm-hmm. uh, was I'm getting I'm getting games two and game three in my head uh, confused now. But uh, I yeah. think was that where he threw the first and it went to right field with Pinson? Uh, no, that was where he did an inside move to second base. And then the guy went to third and they, he bounced the ball to third. And got that away. was, that was Corbin. I think that was the, Oh, was it? oh. okay. Oh yeah. Oh, maybe it was. Yeah. Yeah. These games do run together. Um, and that's yeah. the challenge of doing three games in three days. Like something yeah. happens on, on Saturday and we're here thinking, okay, did it just happen 10 minutes ago or did it happen yeah. three yeah. hours ago? So it's that's the that's the that's the biggest challenge I'm finding of doing uh you know with football doing the post game show you know it's one game you know what you saw with basketball yeah. you know you, you saw something 48 hours ago you know you kind of wreck it it's a different team they're playing against you can put mm-hmm. it in your head like okay that's a Jacksonville game this is a yeah. North Florida game whereas yeah. with us it's like okay game one UAB game two UAB game three UAB yeah. so it's yeah it's tough different it's totally different doing this so that's a challenge but yeah we we needed to be a little bit better um you know the fundamentals the sliding catches i mentioned it earlier we're not making those moderately tough plays even the ones that are not errors on the score sheet that we have to really have to make um i thought colin daniel was fantastic though i mean the the biggest story though was kennesaw state was swinging at everything tony mm-hmm. yeah i think uh i mean i love the aggression right like I, you got to to put the ball in play, you got to swing it. So I love the aggression. I just think it's got to be controlled aggression, right? Like you got to get your pitch. You got to know you're about to barrel this ball up. If you're swinging, oh, oh, you should be trying to hit a home run, like 450, you know? And I was seeing a lot of just like rolled over ground balls, which tells me these guys uh, today, they were getting in the box and they were already committed. Like I'm swinging first pitch kind of no matter what is, is kind of the, the sense that I was getting. And uh, and if you're going to swing first pitch, I mean, it's got to be a cookie. It's got to be what you're looking for, what you're sitting on. And and you got to hit it hard somewhere, you know. So but I, I don't mind the aggression at all. Just barrel something, man. Hit something hard. Make the defense make a play. Get something in the gap. Yeah. For every first pitch you have that you don't hit hard, you're making the opposing pitcher's life a lot easier because yeah. you're in we're in week one. And, you know, you got to build up your arm, you know, coach. Uh, managers don't want to put their players in for a hundred pitches on week one. So 
you know, yeah. they're probably working on a fixed pitch count of what? Probably like 80 to 90, maybe, Tony, at most? Yeah, yeah, probably, probably like 80, 85, probably, yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're all we did was, you know, help out and, you know, keep UAB out of their bullpen. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. And I was, hey, I was so hard-headed about that. People used to always tell me, hey, there's nothing better than one pitch, one out. I'm like, ah, three-pitch strikeout, like, I, I like the sound of that a little bit better. But one pitch, one out is, is so essential to a starting pitcher if you're trying to go deep into the game. And I feel like we were kind of just feeding right into that, um, yeah. you know. And I think but, this is going to be a film room thing that, you know, we're going to have to sit down and say, all right, guys, look at this. We so, so, and so we swung at what probably at least, you know, probably more than half of the first pitches and yeah. probably put a good half of them in play for yeah. outs. I mean, yeah. we have to, you know, sit down before the Mercer game and, you know, just kind of, I think, reevaluate, you know, the entire approach of what happened this weekend. So it doesn't happen again. And, Again, yeah. you know, it's opening weekend and people are trying to press, people are making their debuts, people are nervous, people are trying to impress, and it's on the road in an unfamiliar yeah. environment. So, you know, but plenty of time to turn it around. It, it just made for a very, there were times this weekend where it was kind of like, oh God, put on the Benny Hill music. Uh, we mm. just, we're just making bad throw after bad throw, kind of one of those blooper reel type things. And then you have, you know, swing at the first pitches. We we got to settle down, man. We got to relax and yeah. play calm. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's just going to come with time, right? Like, um, once this team understands like who they are as a, a team, and they get that identity of hey, we're guys that get on base, steal bases, and, and hit balls hard. Then once you know that and you have that confidence, then that whole swinging at first pitch, like getting weak ground out, that just goes away because you know, like, hey, we got guys on and. I'm going to get a pitch that I'm going to barrel. So I think it's just going to come with time, but um, still very early, right? Three games in to 56 uh, regular season plus postseason, which we're, we're going to make. I'm going to try to manifest that, speak that into existence, but um, it's still early. So, you know, I saw a lot of encouraging things though. So I'm excited for, for the rest of the season. Yeah. I just, you know, people need to figure out their roles now. Um, and you know, who's locked in here. I mean, the order is probably going to change, you know, drastically. I mean, based on what I saw this weekend, I mean, we could see Chirillo moving up into what the, you know, the three hole, four hole, yeah. something yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I, yeah, I, mean, I could see, I could see him at the, the top of the lineup too, getting on base, man. You, at the, at the, you see him in the, uh, I think Anderson's kind of entrenched in that leadoff spot. Just yeah. Yeah. I was thinking like two spot, two spot. Two yeah. Spot. I thought Jamar, Jamari Brooks, I think, is a is a ideal two hitter. He just had a really, you know, rough day on Sunday. But mm -hmm. I think he's that he could be that OBP guy. He didn't really catch fire until later in the season of his freshman year last year. But I think he could be that guy. So, yeah, something like Anderson, lefty, Brooks, righty, Chirillo, yeah. lefty, Hanson, righty. You know, we could have something going yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely a lot of uh, a lot of play that can be, you know, put into the lineup. I'm I'm excited to see what Coe does. I mean, he's a smart guy, so I'm sure he's going to figure it out. Yeah, two years ago we uh, got some luck once we moved. What I think it was Tyler Simon to the number two spot in the lineup. Then things number started to quiet. Style. Yeah, Tyler Simon. Yeah, my boy. Yes, Tyler's Tyler's awesome. He's in. Uh, I think he's in uh, trying to become a uh, eye doctor, right? Uh, a dentist. Dentist. Okay, yeah. something with the face. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he, he's becoming a dentist uh, if he's not already one, I think. 
No, I think he's in school. I, I talked to him. He's going to try to make it into a midweek game to help us out later this year. So, but okay. yeah, Tyler Simon, if you guys don't know, was a great shortstop for like five years for KSU. Um, very good defensive player, team leader type, had a little pop. Mm-hmm. Awesome dude. Um, so just a quintessential owl. So yeah, the owls just need to figure stuff out, but um, we did see some positives, you know, Smith Pinson's performance carried over from the Cape. He was a reliever last year. Uh, made he started one game last year as kind of like an opener, but it's his first real start as a traditional starter. And I thought he did a good job once he got settled in. Yeah, yeah, no, I thought he did a, a, a great job. Um, not letting the the two runs like really affect him. I thought he he's definitely going to be a good Sunday guy um, this year to you know close out series. So it was encouraging to see. Yeah, and if he carries over like that, he might just move up to you know Saturday. You never know what's going to happen. That too. So that too, that too. Yeah. I mean, but you need that guy on Sunday. Like when I was uh, my junior year, we had Mason Ward and he was our Sunday guy. And I mean, he was carving. And so we won a ton of series my junior year. And a lot of it was because of him pitching on Sundays, you know, getting that final game. So yeah, Mason Ward was a big lefty. Um, Yeah, very, uh, very good player. Let's talk about Tanner Franklin's uh, debut um this year he is a sophomore pitcher big arm probably runs it up you know the mid to possibly sometimes upper 90s he pitched two innings out of the bullpen i thought he looked tremendous six up six down two strikeouts pitched to contact a little bit nothing was too hard what did you uh like about him yeah no i think uh he's got an electric arm he he was up to 98 probably about five or six times today um so he was really letting it go. I think that he is definitely going to be a big part of, you know, the back end of the bullpen this season. Um, and I love when guys who throw hard like that throw strikes and just go right after guys instead of trying to get too cute, doing everything else. He was on attack mode for two innings and um, very encouraging. I think he's going to be a very good pitcher this year for the, the Owls. Yeah, he's going to be a future draft pick. I mean, look at it. Yeah. Look at his body. I mean, that's a, that's a pro build, you know, right there. And if you're throwing like you said i guess you got some intel there that he's throwing hitting 98 as a Mm -hmm. sophomore i mean this this kid's gonna get uh, gonna get taken yeah for sure for sure yeah very encouraging Uh, i love to see it yeah so we we saw some good things and some bad things unfortunately the owls dropped uh two of three this weekend um you know we have mercer on tuesday at home uh they took two of three from toledo this weekend they dropped a extra innings affair on Friday and then one Saturday and Sunday. We also have uh Wofford. They beat uh, Bucknell and uh, Towson twice this weekend. So I think they're three and oh, and then Clemson was in the ninth inning uh, against Xavier in game two, by the time this started. So it looked like they were cruising to be two and oh this weekend. I guess there might've been a rain out or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. The game might've gotten delayed, but we'll be facing uh, Clemson next weekend. Um, I will say this, you know, we do need to, um, we need, we do need to use these midweek games, especially the home opener against Mercer to tighten this up, get some confidence back defensively and just kind of get things into a groove. Cause if we play defense, like we played today against Clemson, I mean, we're not going to be losing, you know, three Oh, we might be losing, you know, 12 Oh, 10 Oh, 15 Oh, you know, who knows, but we do, we definitely need to uh, pick things up. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And I'll say this about playing teams like Clemson. Uh, you get up for those games, right? Like you, when you get to warm ups, your body's feeling good, feeling a hundred percent, you're feeling ready to go. Like 
we usually play a lot better against, you know, the big D1 schools. So I'm sure it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I just wish, you know, uh, opening weekend would have been that same type of, you know, energy vibe. But, you know, Birmingham's depressing, so I'll, I'll mark it down for that. <laughs> sure. Sorry, sure. if you're the mayor of Birmingham, if you're listening to our podcast, I apologize. But, um, you know, Clemson's going to be uh, huge. Uh, I don't, you know, I haven't done any research on them, but, you know, whoever they turn out there is going to be top of the line arm. They're probably, they're perennial, what, top 10 team in the country? Yeah. yeah. Right. They're pretty locked in year to year. So, yeah, if we can get, you know, I mean, going in there, if we can get two out of three against Clemson, that's holy crap. That's a huge success right there. And it'll help our uh, RPI and all that kind of stuff. Yep. All all right. Awesome. Well, I think that is everything. Uh, Guys, make sure to tune in on uh, Tuesday night in the Mercer game. I'm not sure what the television is going to be, but the Clemson series is going to be. Um, on the ACC Network Extra. So if you have ACC Network, you can watch the games online with, you know, like an Xfinity login, that kind of thing. And also you can, you know, get a free trial of, there are a couple services, I forget the name of them, that have ACC Network. So you can buy them, do the free trial and cancel if you really want to watch the games. Those first two games, Mercer and Wofford, are both going to be on ESPN+. Plus. Oh, awesome. 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 And Tony's broadcasting debut is going to be on, uh, on Mercer. Are you uh, nervous for that one? Uh, nervous. No, excited. I've, uh, so I've called, um, probably like five or six games already. Um, just not like on live, but I'm going to be in the, in the booth with, uh, Trey Fowler. He was a third base coach, hitting coach, recruiting coach, uh, when I was at school for my last two seasons. So we already have a good relationship and I'm sure, um, he's going to help me out a ton because he was the commentator last year. So I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I, I'm definitely uh, going to be watching. Um, what time does that game start? Five. Five o'clock. Okay. Well, yep. I'm not working a minute past five on uh, Tuesday. <laughs> sure. So I'll, I'll definitely be uh, tuned in. Well, thanks, uh, producer Nick, for doing the behind the scenes work here on the uh, podcast today. And also, thank you so much, Tony, for joining us. Uh, We really appreciate you uh, coming on. Uh, So, guys, tune in next week. We'll be releasing it, this podcast, or I mean, the next podcast, we're going to be releasing them on Tuesday going forward. Once basketball season is over, we will be dropping them on Mondays. You guys have a great week ahead. Thank you for listening to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter X at Kaimalette and at KSU Owl Howell. Make sure you're following our show account at Owl Chat Podcast and have notifications turned on so you're up to date on all new OCP episodes. Be sure to check out Kai's publication at BigOwlBlog.com and John's KSU message boards at KSUOwlHowl.com slash forum. Until we return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owls!